following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Yeah, buddy, it is another episode of Get Paid, your source for fantasy against the spread and daily fantasy advice. You are listening to Sean and Brad. Brad, what's going on, buddy? Sean, it is good to be here, my man. How are you? I'm well. Hey, you know, I know this is uh, primarily we're going to be talking about NFL futures today, uh, but we did get a bit of news. LeBron James is going to sign with the Lakers, so I'm going to place my first over under. Uh, how soon do we hear from LeVar Ball that LeBron James is garbage? How early into the season do you think we're going to hear about that, Brad? Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to quite call him garbage, but he will definitely imply that Lonzo Ball will make LeBron better. You know that one is coming. Oh, it's coming sometime soon. I know that. Right, <laughs> you know, so. and, and you know what? He might call him garbage. You're right. So I think it comes by mm, Christmas time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If not way before then, I think we'll get it before uh, before Halloween. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Boy, is he well, something else, huh? We'll see. So, you know, uh, for our listeners returning, uh, just want to, you know, give a shout out to the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. Of course, we are proud members. Uh, Brad and I host this show. We talk primarily, like uh, like we said, about fantasy sports against the spread and daily fantasy. We are going to be getting into the NBA uh, as that season comes up. We're uh, we're not really that close. They aren't even in training camp yet. We're still seeing how free agency is going to shake out. Uh, Major League Baseball, we are going to have some Major League Baseball content, but we're halfway through through the year and this is a new show so we'll be primarily focusing on them in the second half after the all-star break uh, and then as we get into the 2019 season for now we are in the midst of our NFL preseason preview where we talk about some fantasy impacts and we talk about futures bets uh, by each division so far Brad and I have gone over the NFC North we have also gone over the AFC East today we are into the NFC East so Brad, we are going to kick it off with Dallas. Uh, the big change here is that Des Bryant has left the team, or or more, uh, more accurately, has been asked to leave the team. And so I don't know what implications uh, that's going to have on Dak Prescott, but at a higher level, Brad, what do you think about Dak? You know what? I like Dak a lot. I have seen him compete with the best of them. Um, you know, what I really like about him is that the game – it doesn't seem to be too fast for him. He is under control. He's poised. And uh, I think he could take that team very far. Yeah, I, I'm, my, for me, the jury's out on him. Um, he's, he came out in his rookie year, and he kind of lit the world on fire. And to me, that was, I mean, obviously he was successful, so I don't want to throw too much shade on the guy. But he came in with very low expectations. You know, Romo got hurt. And all of Dallas kind of thought that the season was over, almost like when Trent Green got hurt all those years ago and Kurt Warner took over. It's like the the expectations were high and then they were like super low. And then Dak comes in and he runs that offense. And what I think really made that work his rookie season is that once Romo was gone, Garrett was forced to rely on the running game, something that Dallas has really should have been doing for the last decade, right? And they put too, probably put too much on the shoulders of Romo, and that probably unfortunately cut his career short. But again, you know, when Dak came in, uh, they relied on the running game, uh, a very potent running game with Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, they pick and chose their spots in the passing game. And that's probably how they should have been going all along, uh, you know, given the strength of that offensive line. Now, he gets into into season two of his career and he didn't, for me, show me a lot of progression. Now, he hits his receivers, you know, and he, he has a nice passing rating, but he's not somebody, if I'm a defensive coordinator in the league, he's not somebody I really worry about at this point in his career. And But let's let's be real about this. It's only his second year. Um, so for me, you know, Des leaving, I actually think that's going to be a net positive thing for Dak. You know, it, it's always going to be helpful when you have... Um, less people in your ear, um, and you know whatever you want to believe on the sidelines. The fact is, he was kind of a, a sideshow. I'm talking about Des Bryant now, you know, screaming and everything. If he was trying to pump his team up, that's one thing. But you know, it it always kind of looked to me like he was screaming at Dak to throw him the ball more, and that's not something Dak needs to be worried about. So I'm 
for me, like I said, the, the jury's still out for me a little bit. I'm looking forward to seeing what Dak does in 2018. My my feeling is he's somewhere in the middle tier of quarterbacks, you know, in that 10 to 20 range, which isn't bad necessarily, but isn't necessarily great either. You know, I don't argue with you that the jury is still out because, like you said, you know, we, we have a small sample size to work with. Um, but, you know, the jury is still out on a lot of guys True. and you don't give them, you know, much of a chance. Right. And I think that even though we don't know what what Dak is going to be, I think it's favorable. I think his future is brighter than most. Yeah. And from a fantasy point of view, the one thing that he will offer you is mobility. And, you know, the it, like last year, for example, Drew Brees didn't have a ton of fantasy points. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Nobody would dispute that. Hall of Fame quarterback, obviously. But there are a lot of people in the fantasy world that will still pick Drew Brees early, you know, thinking they're getting the, you know, 2011, 2012 Drew Brees. And the fact is that the offense has changed and it's in, in New Orleans and it's swung more towards the running game. And as that's happened, you know, the 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 passing touchdowns for Brees has gone, you know, from astronomical numbers to still very good numbers, but... Um, not world-beating numbers that we'd seen before. Now, Dak Prescott, because he gives you that mobility, quarterbacks that can run, you know, they get that extra tenth of a point per yard or, you know, 10 points per yard or however you want to want to describe it. And, and when you get those rushing yards and you can get a rushing touchdown, that gives you that extra bonus. So, you know, for me, Dak Prescott, from a fantasy point of view, um, he's not going to be in my top tier, but he's going to be somebody where if I've, you know, put my emphasis on other positions and I need a quarterback towards the back part of the the draft. You know, he's somebody I could feel comfortable with. Um, likewise, I think he'd be a great backup and a great spot play if he is available you know, in deeper leagues. So um, on to the running back situation. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, what, what can you really say? I mean, he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's incredible. And uh, if he can just you know, stay on the grind, stay out of trouble, work hard. He is going to do amazing things. The guy, uh, you know what I what I really love about him is that he's just one of these guys that always seems to fall forward an extra yard and a half. It it just looks to me like he's he's running downhill and he's dictating the defense. Does that make sense to you, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. And so we have, um, you know, the get paid is part of, uh, it's one of the, the two podcasts under the functional sportsaholic, the other podcast, which is self-titled the functional sportsaholic, uh, Brad actually co-hosted with me last week. We have a fantasy football almanac available for purchase on Amazon. And one of the things that I do there is talk about fantasy opportunity for different players, whether it's a receiver or running back or what have you. And the interesting thing is everybody knows about running backs is the NFL is moving more towards a committee approach, right? You have the the Patriots famously, they use like four different running backs based on matchup. The Eagles do a lot of that. A lot of teams really split carries amongst running backs. But what you don't see is the Cowboys doing that. Um, similar to the Los Angeles Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, the, the Cowboys just do not split carries. And f for good reason. Um, like Brad was saying, I mean, you if he can just stay healthy and stay out of trouble and stay on the field, he's a monster. Um, he's going to get you a lot of yards for me. He's an absolute top tier running back. I think I have him. I, I don't have it off uh, the, the list in front of me. I think he's number three on my board this year behind bell and behind Gurley, but he's going to be a monster. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, I touched on it at the beginning of the segment, but Des Bryant's gone. Brad, what were your thoughts on Des as a receiver? Uh, you know, Dez is not my kind of guy and I, you know, maybe I didn't see him play enough. I'm not sure, but I don't ever really remember a time where he took over a game and just completely dictated the outcome and got a big win. You know, I just, it's almost like he created a bigger name right. than, than what he actually put out on the field. And I cannot stand wide receivers that talk, that require the ball, and then they can't back it up. And his absence, I think, is going to be nothing but beneficial uh, for Prescott and the rest of them. 
Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. So Bryant, you know, to answer your question, did he ever really take over games? I don't think he did either. Although I will say I watched quite a few of those Redskins Cowboys games, and you know, with Romo, you know, he had that chemistry with Romo, and that can't be understated. When you have somebody that you know knows how to get you the ball, and that's something that he and he and Dak just weren't able to develop over those two years they had together. Romo could always find him, and it would be like a third and seventeen. You know, the Redskins would would use one of their stupid all-out blitzes. You know, they would bring in both safeties and everything, and then Romo would just kind of backpedal and throw the ball about 20 yards in the air, and Dez would just jump up and come down with it. And those are the kinds of plays that I think of. You know, the, the famous non-catch um, against against Green Bay was another one. You know, you throw it up, he goes up, makes a tough grab. You know, unfortunately for, for him and for Cowboys fans, um, the rules of the game say that that wasn't a catch, um, and that you know those were the rules of the games, and that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But yeah, you know, I, I think I'm with you, Brad. I think addition by subscri- subtraction here. I think that the team will get better. But what to me is the bigger question is, you know, who's actually going to catch the ball? So the Cowboys added Austin Hearns in free agency. They added um, another Austin Taven, Austin, and in with a trade in the draft, uh, trade with the Rams. Um, and I don't really know how they're going to use these people. I tend to think that Austin will end up with the most targets. Um, I think that Tavon, I'm sorry, Austin Hearns will end up with the most targets. I think Tavon Austin uh, is going to be probably used as some kind of like slasher hybrid running back slash receiver, kind of like how the Rams tried to use him last year. Uh, maybe, you know, a poor man's Percy Harvin, but I don't really see a lot of, you know, he's not somebody I would draft. Let me put it that way. And then they also have Terrence Williams, who's at burner, but he just never seemed to really reach that potential. He he just seems like that consummate number two guy. You know, I, I have to say this. I don't, I'm not terribly impressed with the wide receiver crew. Um, it's a little pedestrian to me. Um, hey, that's not their strong point. They have a great offensive line and then an incredible running game. So, you know, just by having those two things, I think it will help the receivers out. You know, Tavon Austin, he had, uh, I think he had 13 grabs last year for about 50 yards. Um, he's a small guy, not my kind of guy. Uh, Alan Hearns. Um, he shows promise his rookie and sophomore season. He had good numbers. Uh, the production did dip the last two seasons, but he had Blake Bortles throwing to him and nobody produces when that happens. Right. Health was also a factor. Um, it is possible that he could him and Prescott could could build some type of relationship and flourish together. Yeah, and I was, for some reason, I had a brain fart. I was calling him Austin Hearns. It's Alan Hearns of the Jaguars that came over. Um, but no, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think, Sean, that is his name is Alan, but his nickname is Austin. <laughs> Maybe he's from Austin. Austin, yeah, Texas. Yeah, for, that's right. Um, I yeah. think you had it, buddy. Yeah, so Alan Hearns, like I said before, I think he'll be the uh, the, the leading target um, receiver for Dallas, but we'll see. You know, another thing that hurts is Jason Witten. He's going on to Monday Night Football. Um, So Dallas does not really have an answer at tight end. And unfortunately for Dallas, you know, Witten left right around the draft and they really didn't have a plan um, and they weren't expecting it. So Witten gone, Bryant gone. You have well over 100 targets that have to be redistributed in this offense. And we don't really know how that tight end position is going to shake out just yet. But what are your thoughts on on Witten leaving, man? That's a big one for them. I mean, that is a huge loss. You know, are you ever going to be able to find a guy um, that can, you know, create the type of numbers and be the kind of leader that that guy was super beloved by by everybody in the organization, teammates included. Um, I know he was getting on an age, but from what I can tell, he was still balling, man. So that's going to be a big loss for them. Yeah, absolutely. So tight end Jeff Swain is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. But in terms of rankings, I would honestly, I would just leave him off the board for now and maybe flag him during waivers and, and see what happens. And it's something definitely you're going to want to watch throughout the preseason. Uh, you're going to want to see how those targets get divvied up. I mean, once we're into game two and game three in the preseason, we're going to be able to see what the play calling distribution is like. We're going to start to see, you know, Garrett, he's not going to, you know, 
let us know exactly what he's going to do with uh, with Tavon Austin. He's not going to let us know exactly what the exotic you know type play calls are going to be. But we're going to be able to see at least a, a load percentage. Uh, we're going to see you know how many are how many receptions will Allen Hearns get? How many targets will Terrence Williams get? Uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to watch and see. So on to uh, and by the way, for anybody who's returning and listening, we usually kind of do the over under here. We're actually going to move the uh, all the over under futures bets for all the teams into the end segment. So if you want to skip ahead, uh, we'll have within the notes of the section we'll we'll show you what the minute marker is for that. But for now, we are going to move on to the New York Giants. So the Giants, I think, actually won the offseason with one move. They replaced um, their head coach with new incoming head coach, Pat Shermer. Uh, ben McAdoo, who I say in our draft guide, I, I say he always reminds me of somebody that would sell you a used jet ski more than he would be, you know, remind you of somebody who would be <laughs> calling head you know, coaches at a or calling plays at a head coaching level. So uh, Pat Shermer comes in. He His only previous head coaching experience is with the Cleveland Browns, uh, back when they had Whedon and McCoy, Colt McCoy as, as the starting quarterbacks, and he was winning games. And I thought that the Browns were playing very hard back then, and I thought that the ownership in Cleveland, um, as they do and as they continuously do, they gave up a little bit too early in that regime uh, to move forward into the Mike Pettin area. Um, but, Brad, do you have any thoughts on, on Shermer? Um, I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good hire because that guy McAdoo or McAdon was really just, it was just a, a horrible, horrible show. Right. Yeah. I mean, the giants got worse and worse with this guy and nobody seemed to like him. So from that standpoint, somebody new is better. Uh, he comes from a good pedigree. He has a 10 and 23, um, record as a head coach. Uh, it's not exactly Belichick esque, but right. he was with the Browns. They did show some promise, and they had zero talent. Um, I think it's a move in the right direction just because it's a it's a move. Sometimes just movement is enough. Yeah, and Shermer, everywhere he's been with a, as a coordinator, it's worked out. And last Correct. year, he was coordinating that Vikings team. And the really cool thing about this move to me is that the personnel in Minnesota, I think, translates very closely with the personnel in New York. So in Minnesota, for example, you have Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen at ride receiver. In New York, you have Beckham and you have um, um, Sterling Shepard. Uh, in Minnesota, before the injury, you had Dalvin Cook at running back. Well, now you have Saquon Barkley. Um, in Minnesota, did you have a world beater at quarterback? No. You had a Case Keenum. You had a hodgepodge as well. Um, you know, you had Sam Bradford to start the year. Well, now in New York, who do you have? Do you have a world beater? Um, no, but you do have two-time Super Bowl champion Eli Manning. So there's a lot to work with there. And if you're projecting fantasy values, I think it's actually pretty reasonable to go back and look at the statistics of last year's Minnesota Vikings. Uh, for me, it's more about how quickly can the players pick up on the system. And of course, you know, there's always a little bit of question with the, the Giants offensive line and how that will impact things. But we know uh, a motivated and um, ready to go Eli Manning is going to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I'm sorry, but. Are we talking about the same Eli Manning that has been complete garbage for six years in a row? Okay. I mean, is everybody I – don't, I don't understand this guy. Okay. I mean, he's, he won two rings, and you could look – you could ask anybody and say, is Eli Manning good? And they would go, I have no idea. The guy cannot play football, and I don't know how long we can just let him keep going. Okay. Am I seeing something you're not – uh, you are. And, and let me let me just kind of remind you and, and please, you know, Brad, I know this is going to be a sensitive topic for you. So you got to just calm down, maybe take a seat before I tell you this. Um, and for the listeners out there, I want to I want to make this clear before I make the analogy. This is not a one to one analogy. This is just a high level why this could work kind of thing. But Brad, you were a Packers fan, correct? Correct. OK. Do you remember the pre Mike McCarthy, Brett Favre? I do. Yeah. Okay, so everybody loved Brett Favre. Nobody ever, you know, 
called Brett Favre's face stupid, like I always hear people say about yeah, Eli, right? Crazy one. You know, he doesn't, he, he never had that kind of doofus look. Um, no offense, Eli, although I guess, you know, how could you not take offense to that comment? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, Brett Favre, I mean, let's be real, during those Sherman years, maybe the Ray Rhodes years, you know, in between um, Holmgren and McCarthy, when you had kind of the, that run of coaches, you know, Favre was just doing whatever he wanted to do. Um, he was throwing the ball, he was getting less and less or he had less and less discipline. He was getting more and more risky. Um, he was trusting his arm. Now, does Manning have Favre's arm? No. Does he have his pedigree? Well, you know, he does have one extra Super Bowl ring, but, you know, that's to me, that's not an argument. I, that, that's not an argument I, I'm going to make. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, but but what I do see in Manning is that once Coughlin left and we got Macadont calling plays, Brad, I like that. I'm going to call him Macadont from now on. Um, once, um, you know, Coughlin left and the coaching degrades, Manning was going to degrade. He's not his brother. Um, he's not, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. There were some that would make that argument at some point in his career. But what you have in Shermer is somebody who I think like, uh, McCarthy did in green Bay can bring a little bit more discipline and he can scheme. He's smart enough to scheme, uh, Manning into easier throws rather than, you know, just, put everything on Manning's plate. Um, it's Eli came out and said, what was the quote? He said, I like the simplicity of Pat Shermer's offense. So is that a good thing? You know, I don't know, but I would imagine that all those wide receivers that were on that, that boat smoking joints and wearing black jeans, Maybe those guys require simple play calls. I think well, the it's black, safe to say. Brad, the black jeans I'll give you, but the but the joints, I don't think that there were any pictures of joints. I think that was more of an assumption, right? No, there was someone was holding joints and then they posted it. So that's not the brightest move. But it was probably it was probably just hand rolled tobacco. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, they're cowboys. They're they're cowboys at heart. But, you know, is is that a good thing? I don't know. It I just I I've seen Eli just go down in flames for years and I stuck up for him for a long time because I I liked what he was about and I can't do it anymore. I'm a I'm a scorn ex lover at this point. So I have a picture up right now of Eli Manning and and again, you know, I no offense Eli, but how could you not take offense to this? He looks like somebody that would be um just immediately inserted into Leave It to Beaver. He is so unlikable, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's like he's like the good friend in Le in Leave It to Beaver, the one who's like always like giving Beaver a hard time for not listening to his parents. That's what he looks like to me. Yeah, he's a uh, he's like a hall monitor. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. He's wearing that yellow sash. Poor guy. People, yeah, he's he's p bringing people to the principal's office for, uh, for he the party. Is. Oh, totally. No hall pass. Totally, totally. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, do I like Eli Manning? Um, yeah, I guess I like him. You know. Uh, I like them um, like, you know, I like Philip Seymour Hoffman in movies. It's like, you know, everybody like always is like, oh, yeah, great. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I would be like, oh, OK, yeah, he's there. He's he's all right. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of how I how I view him this year from a fantasy fantasy perspective. But I will say, like I like I said at the, the beginning of the segment, I love Shermer. I love what Shermer can bring the simplicity of the offense. You know, what does that mean? We don't know. I've heard people say that the Gruden offense is quote unquote simple, but it works, you know? Um, so I would put him maybe a, a stash, maybe a backup quarterback stash him on my roster or after the draft, definitely put him on a kind of my watch and waiver flag. But I mean, let's be real here. He has Odell Beckham to throw to. He has uh, Sterling Shepard to throw to. He has Ingram to throw to at tight end. Uh, and Correct. now he has a, a running back. He'll have an actual running game to help him in this in this system. And he has a really good young guy in Saquon Barkley. So I think things are definitely looking up for Manning. Yeah, you know, the, the wide receiver crew is on point. So that's that's the point I'm trying to make is it's not like this guy doesn't have anything to work with. Right. So if he's going to stick around and he's going to keep plugging away and they're going to keep having him there, um, he needs to play better. I, I don't know if I think everybody can agree with that. The guy simply needs to play better yep. soon. Yep. I completely agree. If he did, and you know, that's another thing I, I think we're getting a little off topic here, but in the draft, I cannot believe the giants passed on the opportunity to draft Sam Darnold or Rosen. I, I can't believe they did that. Like we saw, I mean, we've seen famously what the Packers have done when Aaron Rodgers slipped to them. Um, and that's that's an outlier. That's not going to happen every time. But then you have the Colts. They got rid of Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning still had, what, three, four, five years of, of good football left and take Andrew Luck to, to 
to move on to the next stage. And they had the perfect, the best opportunity this franchise is going to have in the next probably 20 years to draft a strong um, prospect at quarterback. And they passed for Barkley. And that's no shot at Barkley. I love what Barkley brings to the table. But man, if you can just extend that window, you know, you have another 10, 20 years. You have a quarterback that does not have to play early. Somebody who can learn the Shermer system right away. Oh man, I think that was a mistake. Yeah, I think that was a mistake as well. But, you know, this guy, he won them two Super Bowls. He played eight amazing games, two incredible runs. Mm -hmm. And it's like they stay loyal to him for that. And I think sometimes that's a part of sports. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, fair. And And I don't agree with it. Yeah. And let's be fair. I mean, Saquon Barkley, um, and we can transition to him now. You know, he's going to be the guy. They they say he's going to get 20 to 25 touches a game. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't the guy to get that many touches in college. So I'm really curious to see how his body's going to hold up. But if he comes out and has, um, you know, an early part of the year like Dalvin Cook had, unfortunately, Cook only had like four or five games um, where he was ripping off a lot of, you know, a lot of catches, a lot of runs. But if Barkley has that same kind of impact over the course of a season, then, you know, anybody who's listening to this show, you know, at the end of the season is going to be like, oh, you idiot. Of course, they should have picked Barkley. Um, So, you know, it's it's opinion, right? My opinion is that if I was the GM, I I would have picked that quarterback there. But let's be real about this. I'm not the GM (laughs) and I'm not going to be anytime soon. Not yet, Sean. Not Not yet. Not yet. Um, but Barkley, man, what are your thoughts on him? He was electric in college. He was. He was great. And they took him very high. Um, you know, I don't think in, in today's NFL, it, it, featuring a running back like that, I don't think that's the best option, okay? But if you're not going to have a new quarterback, if you're not going to have someone, you know, setting the world on fire, then maybe they're going to shift to a heavy, intensive run game. It's not a running league, you know, the the Le'Veon Bells and the the – the guy for Dallas, uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Ezekiel, Gurley, any of those guys. They're yeah. rarities. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, but I don't see those teams winning very much. Do you? Well, I mean, Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh does. It, it depends. And I, I agree with the spirit of what you're back. saying. I agree with the spirit of what you're saying. And really the only time that they do win is when they have an elite guy. And Le'Veon Bell is going to be a Hall of Famer, um, no doubt about that. Uh, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, they're too young into their career. If they keep tracking like they're tracking, they'll be Hall of, Fa- uh, you know, Hall of Famers as well. Saquon Barkley, he, he brings a really nice skill set to the team. Um, and like you're saying, is it going to be a, a ground and pound and you know three yards and a cloud of dust? No, I don't think it's going to be like that. But what Barkley gives you is two key things, in my opinion. Um, one, he strengthens that running. That running game has been garbage for years. Um, you know, since uh, since the days of Coughlin, I think that's first Super Bowl run when they had Brandon Jacobs and was it a that's Bradshaw right. um, when they had that thunder and lightning combo? You know, that that running game worked. But, you know, since then and, and with Macadon and all those, you know, all that stuff in the last couple of years, they haven't had anything um, for a running game. And so Barkley brings you the ability to get tough yards, you know, potentially. And then from a receiving point of view, he should be able to be a weapon in the backfield. I know that's what the Giants drafted him for, assuming that he would be a three down back kind of guy. So can he be a levy on Bell? I don't know, man. That's a tough that's a tough ask. But if he is. You know, that's going to be trouble for the rest of the NFC East. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Um, on to the uh, onto the wide receivers, the black jeans crew uh, hanging out with Justin Bieber in their, uh, in their free time. Um, or maybe even it, depending on your opinion, maybe hang out with Justin Bieber during the time they should be uh, pre- prepping for a playoff game. I don't know. I'll leave that there. But, um, you know, Beckham, come on, man. He's unreal. Yeah, he's absolutely incredible. Look, I don't actually like the guy. Yeah, um, yeah neither do I. I I can't stand him, to be honest. He may be my least favorite player. Um, <laughs> and I think if they pay him anything, they're just going to screw their franchise. Um, and, you know, you know this because if if he's out of the game, how much is he worth to Vegas? Right. And that's the easiest way to to yeah. talk about someone's worth. I mean, so he doesn't start. Is it one point? Is it a half a point? Well, because if Eli Manning doesn't play, it's five and a half points. 
Yeah, I know. That's, that's the that's the famous um, Colin Coward argument, he's right? A, he's a yeah, correct. He, but I think it's a spot on theory. He's a great wide receiver. He's probably one of the best. But I can't stand him. And if you pay that guy, you are screwed. Well, the stupid thing about paying, um, and I agree with you, Brad. The th- the stupid thing about paying him is that he's asking for the highest contract in the league. Period. As in, right. he should be paid more than Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or you know, Matt Ryan or whatever. And I know, and I, I say Matt Ryan on purpose because Matt Ryan, Brad and I, I, we, we both, I think agree on this is Matt Ryan. Isn't somebody that I think is of the pedigree of a top tier quarterback. I mean, I'd put probably five or six guys in front of him off the top of my head. Uh, Brady, uh, Rogers, Russell Wilson, Roethlisberger. Um, I'd probably even put Cam Newton um, ahead of him, not as a passer, but an ability to, to affect the game. And that's just off the top of my head. Um, so Philip Rivers is another one. Breeze is another one. So, I mean, I, I put guys in front of him, but still, in terms of value to a team, come on. I mean, um, Matt Ryan is worth way more money because of the position he plays than somebody who touches the ball maybe on a really good game. He touches the ball maybe 12 plays a game. I absolutely agree for sure. It, you know, and it's not his fault. He doesn't touch the ball every play. Right? right. So when it comes down to value, you cannot pay a guy like that. Not saying he's not the best receiver because he is one of them. Don't yep. get me wrong. Yep. And I remember watching a night game. I think it was last year. Um, I think Beckham maybe it was versus Dallas. I could be wrong, but it was a tight game. It was a late game. And I think he took a slant to the house. And my buddy Greg looked at me and said, you see, that's why we need that guy. Yeah. And it's not like it wasn't an amazing play. And it's not like he didn't he didn't get them the win. But it's like, OK, there's that one. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. There's and the let's, one. OK, I get it. Let's be real about that. He took that slant to the house. And I, I don't I don't know what the play you're talking about. I'm just talking in generalities here. But he took that slant to the house because his quarterback hit him in stride on that play. Right. And who knows? Maybe someone else couldn't have done it. And I'm not trying to diminish it, but it's like, okay, well, you know what? There's there's that one. All right. Out of the past 33 games he's played in and all the (laughs) bullshit with the marrying the the goalposts. He's just he's that wide receiver. Look at me, 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 me mentality. And I think he is uh, he's going to be a splinter for that team. For sure. Yeah, especially at that contract value. And in terms of receivers, I think, and, and I would say this in terms of talent and from a fantasy perspective as well, uh, you know, I think Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins um, in Houston, um, Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, I think they're both a cut above Odell Beckham. Beckham can definitely affect the game. And, you know, to your point about the the Vegas thing, how much does that affect the line? I, I don't know how much it affects the line, but I think that, if Beckham was healthy throughout the year and the chemistry that he has with Eli, I think that team wins maybe six games. Um, you know, I think that, that that can affect the win loss column maybe more than it affects the against the spread stuff. But you know, that's, that's just my opinion and it's not something we're ever going to be able to measure. Another thing though, is the giants have Sterling Shepard. So, you know, he's kind of the, I wouldn't even call him Batman to the Robin. The, the good thing about Beckham being hurt last year is that Shepard had a lot of chance to play and he had an opportunity to kind of ascend and fight against that number one uh, wide receiver coverage from the opposing defensive back. And so now with that experience paired with a healthy Beckham, that has a lot of opportunity to, to give potent um, and high value for, uh, for fantasy owners. Yeah, you know, he got some experience. I agree. And, you know, one of maybe the best things about OBJ being in there is that he is going to require so much attention that it would leave Shepard with one-on-one opportunities. Yep, absolutely. Uh, moving on to tight ends. So Evan Ingram had a nice year last year, but from a fantasy perspective, what concerns me is that Ingram, um, he was the beneficiary of Odell Beckham being hurt. Shepard, we talked about getting some more experience. Shepard had some injury last year. Brandon Marshall got hurt. So there were games when literally like Eli Manning was running around 
you know, he couldn't hand the ball off to anybody because nobody could get any yards consistently. And Ingram was like the only guy to throw to. So Ingram scored well. And and this year, as I see in the offseason, you know, a lot of people are ranking him pretty high. But I actually think Ingram is going to fall back to earth because the targets are going to be going more towards, um, you know, Beckham and Shepard and, and Dalvin Cook. Or I'm sorry, not no, the Dalvin Cook clone, um, Saquon Barkley. You know, I mean, that is possible just because of the the star power or the plethora, if you will, of talent and options. Maybe he gets less. First of all, Eli was running around. I wasn't sure he was capable of actually running. So that's news to me. <laughs> also, I mean, Jesus Christ, you get more, more mobility out of a piece of toast, right? Good God, the feet on that guy with that mouth of his. Anyway. You know, you know, um, um, so Manning, yeah, I mean, he's 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 pretty bad. Brady um, is another guy who's, you know, although they can move inside the pocket, they can't throw. You know, there was only one guy last year that had as a quarterback who had negative yards rushing, even like Manning and even Brady had positive yards. The one guy who had negative yards rushing was Philip Rivers. If you're talking really? about immobility. Yeah, he had like he averaged like negative negative one yards per carry, which basically means he was scrambling around and, and got sacked. Uh, yeah, you know, can't get beyond But that, that tells you something because, you know, even like Manning will come out and roll out on a bootleg and get 10 yards every now and then, you yeah. know. And, 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 and he's not he, – he does – he can play smart in that way, and that's why Brady is so good because he's so yeah. damn smart. The football IQ is through the roof. Uh, back to Ingram, I absolutely love this guy, man. Big numbers mm. last year, big kid. Lots of promise. Um, they're often stunk, man. And he had six touchdowns last season. Uh, I think that he can continue to do very well. Yeah, I, I and I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player. But in terms of fantasy, you know, I I, I put him down into like maybe the like the nine to ten range and it, within the position grouping. You know, I have a few people up there. We actually talked about last week about um, you know during the AFC East preview about Clay, who I think is a sleeper uh, based on some of the changes they made in the offense and you know the young guys always needing a, a tight end. I think Ingram will probably track similarly again towards uh, Kyle Rudolph from Minnesota. Last Last season, I do think that Shermer will probably look uh, to call plays for Ingram uh, in the red zone. But because the Giants will probably, in my opinion, get um, a lot of explosive plays, I don't think that you're going to get a lot of receptions. I think maybe Ingram's reception total uh, declines, maybe his yardage total declines because of the options. But I wouldn't be shocked to see his touchdown potential increase slightly. So do I think he's draftable? Yes. I think he is slightly overvalued from a from a fantasy p- uh, perspective this season. Um, but, you know, we could be wrong. Um, I'm, I'm pretty firm on my opinion on that one, though. Uh, over to Philadelphia. So, oh, boy, I think they have the best roster in the league. Um, I have to agree. Well, maybe actually I think I have them ranked at, at number three, but let's just say they're they're in the top, the, t- the top tier. Uh, they did lose a couple of guys like along the lines and stuff. Um, they lost a couple of backups. Nobody that would you know be critical or crucial for another Super Bowl run. They're a well-coached team, and they're getting Carson Wentz back. And I believe Carson Wentz would have been the MVP last year if he didn't blow his knee out against the Rams. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a extremely stacked team, well-coached, like you said. Uh, Carson Wentz, boy, was he incredible, right? I remember watching him. Uh, I think it was the first week of the year last year, and I immediately texted my buddy. I said, this Carson Wentz, man, he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. Um, you know, they lost a couple coaches, uh, which isn't great yeah, for a franchise yep. or or for young players. Uh, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. Um, but like you said, I think very, very highly of Carson Wentz. And when Wentz went down, I said to my same buddy, Foles is going to do just fine. I think that Philadelphia, by having Foles as the backup, is actually playing it very, very well. Because Foles could start for another team, but they pay him to sit there. You know, ask Green Bay how good you can be with no backup quarterback. Right. 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 So I don't see anything wrong with having a decent backup like that. I think they're playing it just right. Yeah, and you know what? Philadelphia did a really cool thing. They actually gave him a raise when they when they had controlling interest over his uh, contract anyway. So they gave Foles a bump when they didn't have to because of what he did for the Super Bowl. So that was that was a good thing. Um, you mentioned losing coaches. Yeah, they lost Frank Reich to Indianapolis, who took over uh, coaching duties there. Um, and then they lost DiFilippo, actually, who replaced Pat Shermer in Minnesota as the offensive coordinator. So they kind of lost their uh, their offensive coordinator, their quarterback coach. 
And I would be a little bit more concerned about this, except this is a this is a Doug Peterson system. You know, I'm sure he has guys that are going to be able to to come in and, and coach that roster up. It is still going to be Peterson calling the plays. So I think they'll be okay. But I mean, last season, um, yeah, the same kind of thing happened to the Redskins when they lost uh, McVay to um, to the Rams as a head coach, and they lost their uh, their other um, offensive guy. I think maybe to the Raiders or something. They lost two guys, um, and it was it was tough. I mean, Gruden then kind of had to focus a little bit more um, on that, and it and it made an impact. It really made a noticeable impact in that team um, when when they lost two guys. So even when the system stays intact it can still have a measurable impact because you have to remember, I mean, that coach can only divide so many hours in a day amongst different responsibilities. You know, and, and to give the nod to, to Carson Wentz, you know, if, if it was Dallas and we were talking about um, Prescott and they had new coaches and they had new coordinators and they had new, new quarterbacks coach, I would say that's not going to be good for him. He's not going to flourish in that system, but you know, I think Wentz is going to be just fine. The guy clearly has Jesus on his side, and um, I look for him to to continue with the the positive hail marys. It's yeah, gonna be amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus. Hey, well, to be to be clear about this, Brad, I know um, you were half Jewish. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, so Brad, uh, Jesus is is on everybody's side, right? <laughs> well, especially Carson's because he definitely loves the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so did TM Tebow? How did that work out for him? That's a good point. Well, it worked out fairly well for about six days. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point until uh, until um, John Elway got the get out of jail free card with the Peyton Manning signing and they could yeah. <laughs> jettison Tebow into no man's land. But anyway, back to the Eagles. So um, yeah, Wentz. I mean, he's going to be great uh, from a fantasy perspective. He's going to be great. Um, you know, I always kind of y- you have to give a bonus to quarterbacks that can run, which is you know we'll talk about um, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson in upcoming installments of this preview. But Wentz, man, he's going to hit his receivers, and we'll get to that in just a bit. The running game is kind of a big you know kind of shoulder shrug for me. I don't know what we'll get. Jay Ajayi, I like him, but Philadelphia just runs um, runs committee approach, so I don't really know what we can do there from a fantasy point of view. Yeah, it's hard to tell. You know, I, I like AJ Ajay as well. And uh, I think that if, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, they do do the committee bit. But yep. if if they feed Ajay the rock regularly, I think that he can do great things for yeah. sure. And we always get these whenever, you know, it's funny. So to begin a season, you're always hearing these offensive coordinators saying, oh, yeah, you know, Ajay is going to be a bell cow or, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to feed the ball to um, such and such or whoever. And then you get into the to the season and they still use their position groupings. So I always I always ignore everything I hear because the running backs coach just like their guys. And they always think that every running back on their team is going to be able to handle like 50 carries a game. Um, so you're going to see a lot of that press. I don't agree with it. I think within the confines of the system, I think Ajayi is a great player. I like him as a player. And if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be psyched to have him, um, you know, on my team trying to get those tough yardage and those goal, goal line carries. But from a fantasy point of view, I'm not going to be making a, a heavy investment in Ajayi. I, I have him downgraded a couple of tiers just because I think other guys are going to get the opportunities. Exactly. Well yep. said. Yep. So over to receivers, you have Alshon Jeffrey, you have Aguilar. Um, Mike Wallace comes over in free agency. It's going to be an interesting group. It's going to be an explosive group. But what are your thoughts on the, the receivers? I love their receivers, man. And I love Alshon Jeffrey. I used to see him in Chicago. Um, and I always wish that he could be a part of the Green Bay franchise. I think, uh, I think they got speed. I think they have smarts. And I think they work as a cohesive unit. And uh, Sean, I don't know if you ever saw that clip of them in the Super Bowl running that crossing pattern, slapping five as they're running the pattern. Did you see that <laughs> no, video? I d- I, no, I didn't. I got to go. Oh, my up. God. Anybody out there, YouTube that Eagles wide receiver slapping hands in Super Bowl. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen uh, ever since that. They literally have been my favorite, favorite unit. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to score. And Aguilar, you know, he came in and people were calling him a bust. He wasn't producing under the uh, the previous regime. Peterson gets him rights the ship. Um, you have a good, when you have a good system and the system can scheme open receivers and give your quarterback good open looks downfield, it's just going to mean good things both for you as a fan and for you as a fantasy owner. I think Jeffrey is going to be a nice uh, nice receiver this year. I think that uh, what do I have him ranked here? 
I have him ranked towards the uh, the bottom half of the number one receivers, which means he's probably going to be like a maybe fourth, fifth round pick or something like that. He's not somebody that has the hype um, that he had, or I should say he doesn't have the top line potential that he had in Chicago when Cutler was just throwing him every pass that he could possibly throw him. And that's because the Philadelphia offense is just so successful. They can divvy that ball out. And which brings me to my next player here, Zach Ertz. Maniac. What a maniac. He is the new Gronk. Amazing. Um, along with Travis Kelsey. I mean, there there is a three-person tier one uh, this year in fantasy uh, fantasy tight end. It's Ertz, it's Kelsey in Kansas City, um, and it's and it's Gronkowski. Ertz is a monster. He's a tall dude. Uh, he catches well. He runs great routes. He, to me, is going to be the elite guy, even more than Kelsey, for the next maybe eh, eight years. Yeah, I don't disagree. He's incredible. Big guy, huge numbers. I mean, what else can you say? He's just going to be a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. So in terms of tight ends, you know, I think that he's probably, you know, you can make the argument he's number one. I would have him at number two, um, but still behind Gronkowski. But you always have the injury concerns with Gronkowski. Ertz, you know that, you know, he can stay in the game. He can stay healthy. He's going to get his opportunities. He gets a lot of touchdowns. Um, I do have him over Kelsey because Kelsey is is inheriting a new quarterback here in, in Patrick Mahomes, and we'll get to a little bit more on Kelsey and Mahomes and and what that quarterback transition means when we get to the AFC West in a couple of weeks. Um, over to Washington now, just to fill out the fantasy impact piece. Uh, so Cousins is gone. <laughs> you know, Washington in typical Washington fashion bungled that. Uh, that transaction, they had a chance to lock him up for $15 million a year during Cousins' first uh, season as a starter. The management did not want to do that because they didn't want to hurt RG3's feelings, who was on the bench at that point, um, which basically means management thought that Cousins was going to flame out and that they were going to have to give the starting job back to uh, RG3. So, you know, years later, of course, Cousins plays the, the franchise thing just wonderfully. I wish more players would do that and just say, yeah, okay, I'll sign. I'll bet on myself. I'll, I'll sign that franchise tag and force the issue because now cousins is probably going to retire as like the highest paid quarterback of all time <laughs> because that's of that. such a shame. Oh, that hurts me to hear. Yeah, I know, but it's true, man. It's true. Stafford is the other guy because he's, he was so young when he came into the league that he's just getting a lot of high value. So it's either going to be uh, cousins Stafford or maybe Matt Ryan, but they're going to retire as the highest paid quarterbacks um, for for the 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 tally of their entire career. Um, hey, you know what? Who fantastic. am I to hate? Good for them. Go get oh, yeah, it. Yeah, man. Do Go it. get your money. Yeah. I love it. Be smart. Do it. Yep. So the Redskins had to trade, unfortunately, their best uh, slot corner, one of the best slot corners in the league, and he was actually their highest, according to Pro Football Focus, he was their highest ranked. Uh, defensive player uh, or def- at least defensive back on the team um, in Fuller traded him to Kansas City as part of the Alex Smith Smith move to bring Smith to Washington. Brad, Alex Smith, what do you think? Uh, Alex Smith. Wow. What a, you know, what an interesting question. I think that he's not going to lose you any games and I don't think he's going to win you much either. And, you know, if that's the type of guy you want at the helm, then cool. But you got to surround him by by a lot of talent. And you got to surround him with guys that are going to be playmakers. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, Pro Football Focus had a really nice read on him last year with respect to other quarterbacks. Um, I don't I don't know where that falls. I think the Pro Football Focus grade was a little bit high. Um, in terms of, you know, where I would have him in the quarterback ranking. I don't think Smith is a top 10 quarterback. I think he's more in maybe that, you know, top 12 to top 15 range. Um, but the one thing is the guy has been successful everywhere. Uh, he had poor coaching to start his career in San Francisco. Uh, once he had Harbaugh coaching him, he did really well. And it was almost tracking kind of like that San Diego time when they had Breeze, but you know, the coaching staff was down on him. They brought in Rivers, then Breeze threw up that really good year. And then, you know, the, the rest of Breeze's career is history. Well, Smith goes over to Kansas City, has a really good run in Kansas City um, with Andy Reid, but now Kansas City wants to transition to Mahomes like we just talked about. Um, is he going to be good for Washington? I, I think he's going to be overall, he's going to be a little better than Cousins was, but I don't know if that's going to be this season. It might take Smith a couple of years 
Um, you know, I'm saying like maybe next year, maybe the 2019 season is going to be, you know, his year to pop for Washington. But the thing about Washington that you have to be bummed about if you're a fan is that they keep doing this. They keep getting rid of quarterbacks and then they keep resetting with like a guy in his thirties. And you know, it's, it's not cool, man. Like Brunel, they, they brought in, they brought in McNabb. They're always bringing in these grizzled vets. And then what do you have with them? You have like three or four years, maybe five if you're lucky. This is true, Sean, and I'd have to agree with that. But I like the fact that they got rid of Cousins, but I don't think replacing him with someone who's maybe not as good and a little bit older is the answer. Like you said, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be looking for the guy, you know, the one you want to take all the snaps for the next 10 years, then go and really look right. Get a rookie, get two rookies, like keep trying that route. Mm hmm. I, I mean, we just know what we get from Alex Smith. You know, if if he's on a really incredible roster, um, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to hurt your squad. But he's not going to get you 10, 11 wins on his own. No way. I mean, he's been playing for way too long. We know what he is. Yeah. And so you have a head coach in Washington, uh, Jay Gruden, who has a very successful uh, offense. And I think Jay Gruden and Brad, you know, I follow this franchise pretty closely. Jay Gruden um, and actually, Joy Gruden have followed closely because, you know, his arena career was in Central Florida, where we're both from. But, um, you know, Gruden comes with ego and it's a healthy ego. And it's one that, you know, frankly, he deserves to have. He's had success. But Gruden thinks that if he brings in a guy like Alex Smith, his offensive scheme is going to carry the rest of the ship. Uh, you know, he wants his quarterback to make some plays, but he also knows that he's going to scheme some some wide receivers open uh, and he will. But, you know, again, if I'm a Redskins fan and I, I, I can say that I used to be, um, I'm a little bit <laughs> further from them now just because the franchise just is, runs itself so poorly. I can't bring myself to root for Dan Snyder, so I can't root for the team. It's kind of where I'm at. But, um, you know, Gruden, they had the opportunity to hire Wade Phillips a couple seasons ago. And Gruden said no. Um, he wanted to bring in the guy with energy. And then they had the opportunity to hire Mike Pettin, who's going to be running the show. <clears throat> excuse me, who's going to be running the show in Green Bay, the defense um, in Green Bay. And he said, "No, nah, I'm going to hire this other guy." Um, and they they bring in these these defensive coordinators that don't really call a great game that have had zero track record of success in the NFL. And I have to wonder, is it because Gruden, you know, wants to be the one he doesn't want another strong opinion in the room? I don't know. I mean, I love Gruden, but missing out on Wade Phillips, man, I just don't know how he could have thought that was a good idea. Yeah. You know, Wade Phillips has shown to be a proven winner for sure. Um, especially as a coordinator. Um, so, you know, it is possible that these guys that, you know, they want, they want to set up a you know totalitarian system where everyone does what they say and that's what they're comfortable with. Right. Um, you know, maybe that's how he wants to operate. Um, and, and who knows if that's right or wrong? I mean, only we'll know in the future. Yep. Um, so uh, for Alex Smith, just to tie that up, uh, I do think Alex Smith is going to be a top ten fantasy quarterback because the offensive scheme just lends itself to that. Um, you know, the receivers I think are suspect, but. Even last year when the receivers were suspects, Kirk Cousins still did a pretty good job for uh, for his fantasy owners. So keep an eye out there. Uh, Darius Geis was drafted early in the um, early in the draft in the second round, and as that pick was up, I was commenting to my wife. Literally, we were we were laying in bed. I was commenting to my wife how the this guy Geis is dropping on the boards because he really blew his interviews and you know there's some off the field stuff that they had so I said you know this guy he was he was tracking to be an early pick and he's probably going to drop to the fifth round it wouldn't you know it that second and I'm not making I mean that's not hyperbole that second the pick came in and the Redskins selected Darius Geis with their second <laughs> round pick and I just died I was laughing so hard but, you know, that's Washington. Um, they probably could have had him in later rounds. But, you know, as a drafter, you got to stick to your draft board. And, and that's where they landed. Now, from a fantasy perspective, uh, I'm already seeing articles that he's going to be a stud for Washington. They didn't have a lot of impact in their early down carries. Geis will be taking those responsibilities, I'm sure, this year. But remember, for fantasy players out there, you're looking for opportunity. And the Redskins, although they will give Geis the the ball on first and second downs um, when they run the ball, although they will give him um, you know opportunities in the red zone, the fact of the matter is he's sharing that backfield with Chris Thompson, who I think is very good. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, and Geis is projected to run for a thousand yards. I don't know where that comes from. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit too early to tell, especially since he's going to be sharing the rock, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I do like Thompson for sure. Yeah, and I don't think that Geis is going to get to a thousand yards this year. And I think that that's just the hype train. You know, you see a second round pick. The average person is going to see a second round pick um, going to a team that likes to run the ball but hasn't had success like Washington. It is, if, if you're not really paying too close attention to the Redskins and, and how they run their offense, it does seem like Geis is going to be a guy that's going to get you big chunks of yards. But again, you know, the Redskins like to use Chris Thompson out of the backfield, and I actually have Chris Thompson ranked very high, at least in points per reception leagues, because Chris Thompson is a weapon out of the backfield. Along with Jameson Crowder uh, in 2017, he was like the only guy who could consistently score, and I say that knowing full well that uh, Jordan Reed was injured for most of the year. So, you know, for me, I, I downgrade, don't believe the hype on guys, downgrade him a little bit in your rankings as I have in mine. Um, upgrade uh, Chris Thompson in your rankings as well because he is going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He will get you chunk yards, and they love using him on third downs, and they love using him in the red zone. Over to the wide receivers. So they added, the Redskins added Paul Richardson Jr. Um, to go along with Dotson. Uh, and they let, thankfully, they let Terrell Pryor go. He was just a dumpster fire for the entire <laughs> for the entire season. Yeah. I knew he was going to be a mess. Um, you know, no offense to Pryor, but he just wasn't going to be in a position to succeed there. I think Pryor is best served, um, you know, with somebody that's going to try to feed him the ball. Uh, he had his best career in Cleveland when there was no other option to speak of. Um, and, uh, you know, he might do a little bit better in New York with the Jets. We talked about a little bit uh, talked about him a little bit last week but yeah I mean this receiver team I'm not high on anybody other than Jamison Crowder yeah you know I don't think it's going to be lights out and I don't see a lot of great things coming from them um you know Richardson he had 44 grabs for 700 yards last year Mm -hmm. um and I think I think Cousins he he's aired it out more than I think Alex Smith is going to and I don't I don't see a lot of big things happening from the passing game this year. I just don't. Yeah, it's going to be, to me, more like the the Patriots model where they kind of dink and dunk. And and that's, that's a disservice to the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots do throw the ball downfield and they take their shots. But I would say the bulk of the time they're running that game management, uh, you know, small to intermediate routes. And then, you know, Brady and, and McDaniels, that combination in New, New England just lends itself to, to finding guys over the top. And they scheme those deep balls. Um, I don't know how much that's going to be the case with Alex Smith. Like you said, right, I'm not high on anybody. I li- the reason I like Crowder so much is because he runs those intermediate routes over the middle. He gets a lot of catches for uh, PPR leagues. Um, and then, you know, you have somebody like Jordan Reed over to the tight ends who, when healthy, he's a monster. He's really hard to deal with. But, gosh, those health concerns, man, I, I don't like them. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, even if everybody on that squad can remain healthy, um, I don't see Alex Smith sliding in there and and just picking defenses apart. Do you? No, no, I don't think so. But I do think he'll be able to move the pocket a little bit more than um, than Cousins did. I do think it will be a net upgrade if I'm a Washington fan. Um, is he going to win games? No, but you and I have had this conversation. Is Cousin winning you games? Correct. Eh. You know, they they always the Redskins always play tough. You know, with this regime regime with this head coach. They always seem to do a little bit better than projected, and I think that is actually a perfect segue to our gambling segment, our futures. So, Brad, are you ready to go, man? Let's do it. All right. So we are talking NFL futures. We are talking total season wins over and under. These uh, over-under projections are provided by Skybook, um, Skybook Sportsbook. So Dallas, eight and a half wins, Brad. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, eight and a half. I'd have to give them the over, but but not much. I could see them winning nine, ten games. Yeah, so I have uh, the quarterbacks. We talked a little bit about Dak Prescott. Um, and the NFC East has kind of a hard schedule this year. So, yeah, I'm not super high on any of these teams. Um, and I also, Brad, we talked a little bit before about any, any team in the NFC or any division could be the top division um, in the NFC. I would say that, honestly... It, this isn't a this isn't a shot at the NFC East this year. I think this just shows you how strong the the competition is across the board. I think the NFC East is the worst division 
um, in the NFC, but I still think that they're the strongest as a division they've been in years. I mean, it's just that kind of year in the NFC this year. Um, Dallas, I have Dak Prescott probably having a quarterback advantage in about four to five of the games. I have Dallas's talent. I have them as the sixth ranked team in terms of overall talent. That gives them the advantage in 13 of the games. What I like to do in this is I like to, to, to add those things together, take the average. So I'm actually right on that eight and a half point game. I don't want to bet the over. I don't want to bet the under. I am just taking this one off the board. Yeah, you know what, Sean, and I apologize. Um, as I was sitting here thinking it over, uh, I, I have to change my votes. I would have to, to say they're going to be right around the, the eight game mark. And that is simply because the NFC is very, very competitive this season. Yeah, absolutely. Over to the Giants. The over-under for the Giants this season is six and a half games. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's that low? Are you serious? Six and a half. Oh, brother. You were you were all primed to take the under, and then you hear the line, and, you, and now you're regretting it, right? I, I actually am, yeah. I didn't expect it to come <laughs> in so low. I mean, I don't know why it's surprising me. I mean, that's what I would have guessed, I guess, but... Six and a half. Oh, I mean, that's. Whew. I guess I would have to go to the over. I'd like to think that Eli Manning can pull out seven games. As Come much on. crap as you were just talking about, I, Eli, uh, you, you say uh, he's going to give you seven. Okay, well, it's not like I'm saying he's going to give you 14. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> you're acting like a fan of Joe Montana by saying he could win seven games. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Seven. I, I'm. You know, my statistics and my analysis says it's the under. Um, I don't feel great about that. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I go through some some industry grading um, and I take that into account. And Manning's grade, as is, is we kind of just touched on, Manning's grade was, was piss poor last year. Um, and I think that is, a, I think his grade is just going to improve. I really think that Shermer is going to be able to coach him up and improve his output. Um, the talent, I don't love the talent on the Giants. I love the offensive skill player talent, but everything else I think is suspect. I'm not loving it. Everything I'm seeing is telling me that the Giants are going to go 4-12 and, and and to take the under, but I just think the Shermer factor, I love it. I think they're going to be at the over, like my gut is telling me at the over, and if my gut doesn't line up with the analysis um, and they're that divergent, I just take them off the board altogether. All right, Philadelphia, Brad, I think I know where you're going to go on this, but the line is 10 and a half wins. I cannot believe 10 and a half is all they're getting. Can you? Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised as well. Wow. Is that the bet of the year or what? <laughs> well, I always say, and maybe this is what sports books feel as well, but I always say when you bet the over, and I, you know, obviously that's, that's where you're going to be going here. When you bet the over, you're betting that the starting quarterback is going to stay healthy the year. But Correct. Like you and I said, Brad, I mean, they have foals just kind of waiting there. So they have an insurance policy that should be able to, with that roster, get you to 11, even if they have to go to the bench. Yeah, you know, I, I'd have to go over. I mean, I was expecting the number to be 12 and a half, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, 12 and a half, that's, that's such a hard thing for them to reproduce a year like they had. I agree. Um, but I will say that my projections, you know, I have the Wentz factor. I have, you know, Wentz having the advantage or at least equal footing in 14 of the games from a right. quarterback point of view. I have the Philadelphia Eagles talent. I mentioned I have them in the very, very top tier of the league. I have them having an obvious talent advantage in 12 of the games. To me, if I add those two up and take the average, that's a 13 and three projected finish for me. I'm taking the over, but with the caveat, um, remember that that assumes that the quarterbacks are going to be healthy. Uh, with the Foles factor, I am safely on the over. Uh, Washington, over under, Brad, six and a half wins. Oh, my God, buddy. I'm going to have to go with under. I'm sorry. Whoa, I'm not trying to under. be cruel. I'm going to have to go with the under. Why is that? I just don't, I'm not an Alex Smith guy, and I, I you know, as much as I'm not a Cousins guy, I, I liked Cousins, I just didn't think you should pay him. Do you understand the difference? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't think he was a, a top-tier guy, and nobody does, but he wanted that type of money, and he wanted to be treated as such, but he's not that guy, and I, I see less than Alex Smith, I do, I, I give them six wins. So... With Washington, actually, it, it is another uh, interesting piece as well. I actually have Brad, my an, my analyst, and, and the, the people listening are, are just, you know, they're going to turn their head. They're going to say, what the, what, you know, what the F is this guy talking about? I have the Redskins safely on the over here um, for a couple reasons. One, their talent level is actually 
actually pretty good, even though they got rid of their, their top defensive back. Um, I'm not a big fan of their defense and their defensive scheme. It scares me. But they have one of the top offenses in the league. They have one of the top schemes in the league. You know, it's the McVay-Gruden uh, system um, versus the McDaniels system versus, you know, that McCarthy-Reed-Peterson system. Those are, the, those are the top offenses in the game. The Washington Redskins will have one of the top offenses this year that's going to get you a long ways. Um, Alex Smith, his grade is a little bit inflated to me. I think they have um, they have the advantage in 10 to, or, or at least equal footing in terms of quarterbacks into 10 to 12 of their games. Uh, remember, they do have a poor schedule thanks to their poor finish last season. Um, from a talent point of view, I think that they're probably on equal footing in around seven of the games. To me, that's uh, that's a total of 19 divided by two. That's nine and a half wins um, that I have them projected. Do I think they're going to be that that high? No. Um, I do think though that Washington has historically been undervalued in in gambling circles. I think they'll probably be at about seven and nine or eight and eight next year. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they always seem to scratch and claw their way um, to that. Unless like in 2017 when they had five, and that's all of their offensive linemen out <laughs> out with injury they're literally signing people off of like you know the d league nba list to uh, to start you know an nfl game at um offensive offensive line as long as they don't aren't that snake bitten i do think they're going to be over well for your happiness and for the sanctity of your home i hope you're right man i don't give a crap all i want to do is win money great yeah good call yeah well said that's it, man. Just care about your your checkbook, and then uh, you know, for you, I know Brad, you you still love and live and die with the Packers. So, best of luck to them. We talked about the Packers NFC North um, a couple weeks ago. We talked about the AFC East. That now the NFC East is in the books. The next division on our list is going to be the AFC North. We're gonna be talking Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers coming soon to an episode near you. Make sure you check us out. Uh, for everybody, you know, the, the reviews really help. If you like what we have to offer, please, you know, give us a written response. That stuff really does make a difference in, you know, the algorithms and how we get searched. So we'd appreciate that. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at TFS underscore Sean. That's S-E-A-N. Uh, Brad, we just set him up with a Twitter as well. He is at TFS. That's the TFS stands for the Functional Sportsaholic. It's at TFS underscore Brad. Uh, we can be found online as well. It's functionalsportsaholic.com. So until then, until we talk about the NFC or the AFC North, I think that's all we have. Brad, you have any parting words? I love today, and I'm looking forward to the next time. And good luck, everybody out that's there. That's right, baby. Get paid.